for the way that you bless us. We want to praise you for all that you've done in our lives. And you, you do it every moment of every day. You provide for us in ways that often we miss. And we're sorry for that, that we get so engaged in our own life and what goes on in our own life that we miss what you're doing. So help us to be aware and to say thank you. Thank you for offering us life and hope. Thank you for offering us freedom today through your son, Jesus Christ. We ask now that your spirit would be free to guide and direct our hearts as we look into your word. Thank you for the freedom to do that, to open your word and to see what it, what it says to us and to be able to apply those truths to our life and allow them to change us. Thanks. So we pray that your will would be accomplished in us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. We started a little series last week uh, that for, for three weeks on generosity, and we're going to continue down that path. And as we get ready to start this morning, let me just say to you as a church body, I want to say thank you for how generous you are. Um, I, I was just thinking this week about those boxes that we're filling today, and uh, we just kind of put one appeal out to, to ask for some help, and there was a group of people who showed up yesterday, yesterday morning to set that up at the administrative building, and then there's a group of people who will show up today after church who will spend their afternoon packing those boxes, and some other folks that will grab that trailer and take it to Portland and make sure it gets where it's supposed to go. And so thank you for your generosity, and that happens here at Mossbrook Church in different ways every week that there are things that go out, there are needs that are met, there are prayers that need to be made on behalf of others, there are uh, little acts of kindness and service that happen in our community because of you folks at Mossbrook Church. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for listening to the ministry of his Holy Spirit in your life and allowing him to direct you. Keep at it. You're doing great. And uh, I appreciate all that you guys do on a daily basis. We've been talking last week about generosity, and, and as we started talking about it, we said that, that often what needs to happen for us to become generous is that there has to be a change in my heart. And this week I want to talk about generosity and, and help us to realize that sometimes to be generous, it requires that I know who I am. It's hard to be generous if I don't really know who I am. What if the individuals that make up this body of believers and then this church as a whole were known in the Oxford Hills for their generosity? What would happen? And like I started this morning, I know that we are and you are generous, but what if what if it just splashed all over everybody all the time? What if, what if people couldn't get anywhere near Mossbrook Church and the people of Mossbrook Church without somehow being hit with generosity? What would happen? What would happen in the community? 
What would happen to the attitude of the community? What would happen with the addiction that is in our community and the need for help in that area of our community? What would happen to the single moms who need help? What, what would happen to the kids who don't have any parents to, to kind of look out for them? What, what would happen to our, our school teachers and if, if they were splashed with the generosity of Mossberg Church every week? What, what would happen to the businesses of Mossbrook Church? What, I mean, of, of Oxford Hills, the businesses. Well, what would happen to the businesses of Mossbrook Church? What would happen to the Oxford Hills if the generosity of Jesus Christ through the people of Mossbrook Church just kept splashing all over everywhere? And we had just this massive mess of generosity. Can you picture it? That's how my brain works. I see it. Just a a mess of generosity all over the place. Well, this week I want to continue talking about that. And last week, in order for us to talk about the change in heart, we had to identify where our treasure was. And hopefully this week you thought some more about that, that wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. Whatever it is that you put your time and your effort into chasing, your heart follows. And, and hopefully you spent a little bit of time with God and you kind of really looked at where your treasure was and, and what it was that you were chasing after. I want to build on that truth of where your treasure is this morning. And I, I want to think about three more truths that help us understand who we are. See, this morning you see yourself in one of two ways. You either see yourself as an owner or you see yourself as a manager. An owner is one who has invested all. They've put everything on the line and they have the legal right or the title to or a piece of property or something belongs to them. They own it. It's theirs. And if we went to a court of law and you wanted to fight it, if they had the title or they had whatever it was that was required to prove their ownership and they had that in their hand, there's nothing you can do because they own whatever it is. It's theirs. It's their property. And this morning you can look at everything that you have, everything that you would say is yours, all that you have you've acquired over your lifetime. Go ahead, make a mental list. Start going through all the stuff. Don't do it all the way through church because some of you may get tired and fall asleep as you think about all the stuff that you have. Now add everything that you wish you owned to that list as well (laughs) because that also gets our time and our attention and our treasure. Now do you own that? stuff that you've got going on in that list or does it own you are you really the owner of it who really is the owner I want to suggest to you this morning that it's not you you may think that you have this great list of all this stuff And all this time and energy and all this work that's gone into gathering, whatever it is. But I want to suggest to you this morning that it's not you. There was a gentleman in the Old Testament who went through a really rough time in his life. He was extremely wealthy. He had everything. 
He had everything that you could want. He had businesses. He had land. He had acquired a lot. He had a large family. And God allowed him to lose it all. And after he had lost everything, including his health, by the way, he started to ask some questions about the meaning of his life and the why. His name was Job. If you want to read the story sometime, go to the book of Job and see all that happened to this guy. He had everything. And God allowed everything to be stripped away. His wife and three friends came to comfort him. And his wife told him to curse God and die. Just give up. It's not worth the fight. Just quit. His three friends came to him and said, Look, the only reason why this could happen in your life is because you did something wrong. And because you did something wrong, God is punishing you. They were absolutely no help to this poor guy. Job knew he was innocent, and he kept up his innocence all the way through the book. He continues to say, I don't believe I've done anything to offend God. I don't believe this is a sin issue. I trust God. I know that God is God. I trust him, but I don't understand. I don't get it. But he wanted to know why. And when you get to Job chapter 38, all of a sudden, God speaks to Job. And out of a whirlwind, wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) You're asking God why, and a whirlwind shows up, and a voice comes out of the whirlwind. I don't know about you, but I'd probably faint. I, I haven't had many whirlwinds like that. But out of a whirlwind, God speaks. And he asked Job, you ready for this? 60 questions. In the next three chapters. Let me show you a few of them. Job chapter 38 verses 4 to 7. He says this. This is God. Where were you when I established the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who fixed its dimensions? Certainly you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? Who supports its foundations? (coughs) Excuse me. Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Can you imagine being there? (laughs) I read this. I was reading through this over and over and over. And I'm like, I can't even imagine what this must have been like. When God said, okay, I'm going to establish the earth at this moment. And he looks at Job and he says, were you there when I did this? Did you see the angels of heaven cheer when I built the earth, when I measured it and I set its dimensions? Did you hear the the, the cheer that went out? Look at verses 8 and 11. Who enclosed the sea behind doors when it burst from the womb? When I declared, you may come this far, but no further, your proud waves stop here. I love the ocean. We spend a fair amount of time there in the summer. And where we spend time on the ocean, the tide swings 28 feet up and back twice a day. 28 feet up and back. When the kids were little, they would follow the tide out about a mile and a quarter. 
And the tide would chase them back. We knew where they were. Just look out. Yep, they're coming back. Be about six hours. They'll be back. Loved it. But God says, hey, where were you when I set that in motion and I told the ocean, 28 feet and that's enough. That's far enough. That's as far as your waves go. Look at verse 16. Have you traveled to the source of the sea or walked in the depths of the ocean? Do you know how this all works? Do you understand the depths of what I created? Verse 18. Have you comprehended the extent of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. God is looking at Job and he's saying, Hey, you want to understand? Well, let me see if you understand. Let me see how much you really know about all that I've done. Look at verse 19. Where is the road to the home of the light? Do you know where the darkness lives? Can you figure out how this light and darkness thing really works? Yes, in the morning it gets light and at night it gets dusk and then dark. But do you know where it comes from? Oh yeah, there's a ball of gas in the sky that does it. How does that work? And why doesn't it burn out? Verse 24. What road leads to the place where the light is dispersed? Where is the source of the east wind that spreads across the earth? Hmm. Do you know? Do you know where all this comes from? Verse 28. Does the rain have a father? Who fathered the drops of dew? Where did they come from? God looks at Job in the middle of his not understanding, and Job's like, I I don't understand why all this is going to And God goes way back to the beginning. He says, look, let me help you to understand who I am first. Let me help you understand what I've done, how I've put this together, so you get a picture of how grand God is. Your father is, the one who allowed this to happen in your life. And he ends this 60 questions that he gives to Job in in chapter 41, in verse 11, and he says this. This is the phrase that we want to grab this morning. He says this, everything under the heaven, you say it with me because I know it's on the screen, what? Let's say it again. Everything under the heaven does what? Who's the owner? Who's the owner? God says, look, folks. Yeah, you've worked hard. Yeah, you've done a lot. Yeah, actually, I've blessed you in a lot of ways. But guess what? I'm the owner. It all belongs to me. And if you have questions about it, where were you when I put it all together? If you think you own it, where were you? Go down through the 60 questions that it's amazing to stop and think about how little we control, how little we really know. All of our wonderful scientific advancements, all the things that we're so wise about, and when you read down through them, you go, wow, I don't hold a candle. No, 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 a firefly. 
No, no, not even a spark to how great God is. And God says, let me remind you, I own it all. A little side note about this book and God's reply to Job. God was not mad at Job when he asked those 60 questions. God blesses Job for Job staying true to the fact that God was God and trusting that God had his best interest in mind. God spent the time showing Job who the owner was, who it was who was in control. And then if you read the end of the book of Job, I don't want to leave you hanging wondering, but the end of the book of Job, God does what God always does. He blesses Job's socks off. He just blesses him again. And God is doing the same in our life in different ways. But folks, truth number one, God is the owner, not me. David, King David said it this way in 1 Chronicles verse 29, uh, I mean chapter 29, verses 11 to 13, when he's getting ready to dedicate the temple, he says this. It's a prayer of David. He says, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power, the glory and the splendor and the majesty for everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom and you are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you and you are ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise Praise your glorious name. Why? Because you are God. You're the owner. You're in control. God is the owner, not me. Do you know who you are? You're not the owner. God is. And if God is the owner, it is easy to be generous when I realize that everything I have is not mine. You catch that? It's easy to be generous when I understand who I am. When I understand that everything I have comes from God's hand. It's not mine anyway. It's his. Now, I don't mean that in a flippant way. I don't mean, well, it's not mine. I'll give it away. (laughs) That's not what I mean. I mean, when I understand that I don't own it, that it's not something that I control, that it's not something that in and of myself, I created it, I earned it, it's all mine, I'm holding it. When I realize that God is the owner of everything and he's been generous with me, it's a lot easier for me to be generous in return. Say it with me, truth number one, God is the owner. Let's say it again, what? God is the owner. Truth number two that I want you to catch this morning is this. I'm a manager. I'm a manager. If God's the owner, then I'm a manager. A manager is a person responsible for controlling or administrating all or part of a company or an organization for someone else. A manager is someone who the owner comes to and says, look, this is all mine, but I want you to be responsible for this section of whatever it is that you're doing. And a lot of us in this room, when we work for other people, that's exactly what happens to us. Someone comes along and says, look, I want to hire you to be responsible to do this work for me. 
and I'm going to walk away, and when I walk away, I don't want you to sit down, I don't want you to play games on your, on your phone, I don't want you on social media, what I want you to do is I want you to do the work you're responsible for while I'm gone, so when I come back, that work is done. I know this is a new concept for a lot of people, but that's what it means. I know we struggle with this today. But that's what a manager means. It means someone who's been given responsibility. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 says this, A person should think of us this way, this is Paul saying, as servants of Christ and managers are stewards of the mystery of Christ. In this regard, it is required that managers, what does it say? Be found faithful. Paul says this, look, as God's As a person, as a servant, as a slave of Jesus Christ, I'm a manager of what's his, the kingdom of God. I'm a manager of the part that he's given me, and it is required. It's not if I feel like it today. It's not if if somebody else does it, too. It's not if, if... if the pay is right. It is required that a manager be found faithful. A manager needs to be completely trustworthy. Is that you? If you're here this morning as a Christ follower, are you trustworthy with all of God's stuff? Remember, you're not the owner. God is. And so everything that you have in your possession this morning as a Christ follower does not belong to you. It belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, he has set you as a manager over his stuff. And you are responsible. It It is required of a manager that he be found, what's the word? Faithful. Are you faithful with God's stuff? How well have you been managing the time that he's entrusted to you? How well have you been uh, managing the possessions that he's given to you? How well have you been managing the energy that he's been given to you? that he's given you? How well have you managed the body that he's given you? How well have you managed the mind and the intellect that he's given you? How well have you managed all of the gifts that are yours that are found in you? How well have you managed them because it is important that a manager be found faithful with God's stuff? It's not yours. And if I'm to be faithful with God's stuff, it means as a manager that I need to be focused on what the owner wants, not on what I want. It's not my place as a manager of God's stuff to go to the owner and say, I don't think you really want to do it this way. It would be better for me if you asked me to do it this way. It's not my place. God is the owner, and he's asked me to be faithful with his stuff, his way. You may be sitting here this morning saying, yeah, I'm doing okay with God's stuff. Or you may be sitting here saying, wow, I never even thought about this being God's stuff. I don't know how well I'm managing it. 
And it may lead you to think this, well, how can I, how can I do more for God? How can I be more engaged for God? How can, I, how can I look after his stuff even better? Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 13 says this, Whoever is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is unrighteous in very little is also unrighteous in much. So if you have been faithful with worldly wealth, who will, if, who will trust you with what is genuine? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to someone else, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The writer tells us here that, look, if you want to follow God, if you want to live for God, then when you're faithful with the little bit that he's given you, he will entrust to you more. And when you're faithful with that more that he's given you, he will entrust to you more. And when you're faithful with that more, he'll entrust to you more. You get the idea? You get the picture? And some of us are sitting there as managers of God's stuff and we're saying, God, why do I only have this little teeny bit of stuff? And God's saying, because you haven't used what I gave you. Because you haven't been faithful with what I've given you. I've given you time and energy that you've wasted. I've given you talents that you've never tapped into. I, you have ideas and dreams of things that you want to do, and God's going, yeah, I would love for you to do those things. I would love to take you to do those things, but you're not doing the small things that I've given you yet. It is required of a manager to be found, what? Faithful. Faithful. It is easy to be generous when the owner expects it of me your owner god as a manager you know one of the things he's told you he's told you this it's all throughout the gospels by the way he's told you this he said look how how i've blessed you how i've been generous with you do the same to everybody else that you run into take the blessings that i've given you and give them away live with an open hand As I give it to you, take it and use it so that my kingdom would grow and become all that I want it to be. Oh, it's easier as a manager to be generous when I understand that the owner, my boss, he's incredibly generous. Some of us spend our time holding on to things because we think God won't give us anything else. And God's going, hey, give it away. If you give it away, I'll bless you. Truth number three is this. This is not home. Number one, I'm not the owner. Number two, I'm only a manager of his stuff. Number three, this is not home. If you're a Christ follower, this is not your home. You don't belong here. Are you happy about that? Tell your face. What I'm saying is this, guys. This world, this sin-cursed world that we live in is not a place that as Christ followers we can be comfortable because God never created those 
who are in his image, those who are living for him to live in the middle of sin. He didn't create us for that. He created us for a relationship with him that is perfect, that is pure, that is set in him. And so what happens to us is this. We try to get comfortable in a world that is full of sin, and we can't. And we're, we're uncomfortable, and it's difficult, and it's hard. And the reason is because we don't belong. We don't belong. Does that mean we give up working here? We give up living here? No. That's not what he's saying at all. But we have to understand that this world, I am not a citizen of this world. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21 say it this one, this way. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body, but the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. My citizenship isn't here. You, catch this, I love this part. You are as much an alien as I am. You know, I tell you this all the time. I'm an alien. I have a green card. I don't belong. I am not a citizen. And you, I know, we're Americans. Or you're Americans. You have rights. You belong. That's true, but it's not. If you're a Christ follower, you're as much an alien as I am. You're a stranger. And what it means to be an alien and a stranger is this. There are things that don't belong to me from the country that I'm living in. I have the right to pay taxes. I do not have the right to vote on how those taxes are used. That's an alien. That's a stranger. I have a right to pay taxes. <laughs> it's about all the rights I have. <laughs> As a stranger and an alien, there are all kinds of rights, there are all kinds of things that are not yours because your citizenship is not in the country that you're living in. As Christ followers, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is, is with Christ, being in Christ. And because of that, we are strangers. We don't belong. And you say, Tim, why does that matter in light of generosity? Here's why it matters. When you're a citizen, when you belong, guess what we do? We nest. We get comfortable. We set roots down. We, we build stuff around us, and all of the stuff that we accumulate, we hope will make us secure. And we, we settle in, and we snuggle in, and we're going to stay. We're here for the long haul because we are citizens of this place. And God says, no, I don't want you to live like that. I want you to live on the move. I don't want you to snuggle in. I don't want you to feel secure. I want you to realize that this is not your home and I'm preparing a home for you that is far better. It's far greater. I don't want you to settle in and get settled and, and, and get on your couch with your remote and never move. Some of us want to do that because winter is coming. You know what I'm saying. And God's saying, no, no. I want you to live like an alien. I want you to live like a stranger. This is not your home. Your home is with me. And when that becomes my attitude, it's a lot easier, once again, for me to be generous. Because I'm not accumulating anything for me. It's all 
for the owner. I don't belong anyway, so, so why should this stuff hold me? It's all for the owner. This is not your home. It's easy to be generous when I am not attached to the here and now. So, if we as individuals and as a church want to be known for our generosity, we need to be solid on who we are. Do you know who you are this morning? You're not the owner. God is. God is. You're a manager of his stuff. He's a generous God, a generous Father who gives to everyone equally, who wants to bless each and every person that we run into as a representative of the owner. This is not your home. You don't belong here. You belong with him. And you are simply a manager of his, doing his will, his work. Are you a good manager? Have you been a good manager of his stuff? Have you been generous the way the owner has asked of you? Father, would you grant us the courage to be generous? Would you help us to understand that you're the owner? Everything under the heavens is yours. The same way you told Job, it's the same today. You're the owner. I'm simply managing what you've entrusted to me. Help me, help me to be found faithful as I manage your stuff. Remind me that this is not my home. That I'm not to get entrenched, that I'm not, I'm not to set up my security here. I'm just moving on. I'm just doing your work while I'm here. Help me to be found faithful as your manager. Help us as a church to be found faithful as your manager. In your name, amen.